0: Got, got us through two and did it so well. I want to thank you all for being here, registering to worship, going along with all the stuff we got to do to make this happen. We're so honored to worship with you this morning. Glad that you are here. It's going to be a good morning, amen? Is it already a good morning? Amen? All right, good. You got your coffee? All right, you're not going to need it because I'm going to talk fast. All right, so uh, this morning I want to... We're going to continue our series on Mighty, uh, but I want to tell you a story. So I grew up in a, what most people consider a pretty good and pretty safe neighborhood. But I want to tell you a story this morning about how that neighborhood wasn't quite as safe as maybe some people would make it out to be. And here's, here's why I want to tell you a story. I want to get to a response that somebody had on my behalf because of this. But to get there, we're going to tell the story first. But I want to talk to you first about this. In, in a nation that is quickly crumbling in terms of our thoughts about the safety and the goodness and the righteousness of a nation as we watch it all crumble around us. I want to encourage you this morning, don't spend too much time mourning about what was lost. And here's the reason why I want to say that. First of all, most of what we think of or what we remember as the good old days were not that good. They were good in general, but I can guarantee you that almost every person in this room right now has a story of how there was something that was wrong, either in their neighborhood or in their family or in their friend group, some kind of trauma, some kind of hurt, some kind of brokenness, something that happened that kind of blows a hole and everything was good 30 years ago, right? Right? And so if we're all walking around with some type of trauma from that time, we have to recognize that this evil that we are seeing today is not new. It's just more widespread and more accepted. Now, let me say this. Let's not spend too much time mourning about what was lost because if we do that, we cannot stop to say, God, what do you want me to do today? And I believe that in a nation and in a place where the go- there has never been a need for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be more lived out by the people of Jesus, And if we spend time mourning what was, we can't stop to dream about and work towards what God wants now. Because I believe that God wants to bring his people to a place of safety. I believe that God wants to bring his people to a place of joy, a place of, of abundance, a place where we thrive in the place that we are in a way that declares his goodness and makes it available for people around us. And we also have the opportunity when darkness is abundant to let the light that's within us shine like never before. So let's dream about what God would do in us and through us for the kingdom to be advanced. Let me tell you the story about how my neighborhood that was very, very safe, considered very safe, wasn't quite so safe. And it's not so much about the story, it's about the response. But here's what happened. Do you remember when you were like nine or ten years old, like the circle of, of travel for your life got a little bit bigger? Do you remember like you used to be able to play in your yard, then you could play in the neighbor's yard, then you could play, you know, on your street? Like remember when you were allowed to play football on the street? You know, and then, you, like, you could stay out until the streetlights came home. How many of you, that was your standard? How many of you, your parents told you, don't come back till the streetlights come on, right? And, and then, like, I remember, like, being able to go down the block to the convenience store. And then I remember crossing the busy street to, with my friend for him to get a haircut. And I remember, you know, being able to go to, like, a bakery a little further down or a pizzeria. And, like, you know, you kind of get a little bit older. You know, you got a better bike, and you're, you're a little more confident across the streets. And so, so the, the circle of travel... So I remember one, one week we, we traveled like five, six, seven, maybe even eight or ten blocks away from home, and we, had to, we were near a busy intersection, kind of a commercial area uh, of our neighborhood, and we were in search of, I believe it was Garbage Pail Kids. Do you remember Garbage Pail Kids? They were little trading cards that were ridiculous. My, my parents hated them, but we, like, nobody ha- had them because they were all the rage. But you would hear, like, oh, this, this store has them or this store. So I think that's what we were doing. We were traveling. We were kind of near a busy intersection. It was a part of town we hadn't spent a whole lot of time in. It was me and my best friend. And I remember some kid, like, came out from around a building. He was like, hey, you. And we didn't think he was talking to us, so we just like, looked back, but then kept walking. We didn't know who this kid was. He was a lot bigger than us. And then all of a sudden, you hear like, the, the steps behind you, like, "Don't dum And I look around just in time to see him like, wind up with the biggest kick I've ever seen and just plant it right up my friend's butt. And it, like, he threw him forward several feet when this happened. And I remember just being shocked. It was like one of those moments where everything that you think is right with the world, like, wait a minute, this is not the world that I live in. I had not been part of that kind of violence before. And that didn't happen to me. But you know how like, when you're around it, it kind of affects you? And I remember, like, I don't think we finished our thing, I think we ran right home, we told his dad, but here's the great thing about this story. It's not about what happened to us, it's about the response. Because the guy that kicked my friend didn't know that my dad's, my best friend's dad was a police officer in the town that we lived in. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly how it came down, but I do remember him bringing the young man that kicked my friend back in a police car to my friend's house, in the police car. Because that's back when cops could do whatever they wanted, right? And so like, I think he just went and found the kid and said, get in my car and brought him back to the house. Is this the kid that did this to you? And I don't know what happened afterwards, but what I do remember about it is this. My friend's dad took the power and the authority and the might that he had and applied it in response to the situation that we had. He used his power on our defense, in our defense. I mean, I wasn't the one kicked, but I was part of it, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, give it to that kid, you know what I'm saying? And all was right with the world when he exercised his power. What am I saying about that? I believe that this morning, uh, as we continue our series on mighty, we can look at how we as the people of God who are filled with the might of God can use the weapons that God has given us on behalf of other people. As we go through this series and we talk about what it means to be mighty, how God has created us to be mighty, we understand this, that God's mighty people with God's mighty weapons, using them, see mighty advancement for the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about how this morning that God has made us mighty to use these weapons on behalf of others. And so let's look at some scripture this morning to see this. Because God is about to use us and is using us in mighty and powerful ways. In order to do this, we need to understand first this, that Jesus used his might on our behalf. Listen, the 8 a.m. service was a whole lot more interactive. Maybe I preached better to them, but they were like... They were ready to go. You guys ready to go? Come on, are you ready to go? Like, do we need to stand up and like, you know, shake ourselves up a little bit? When I filmed the video update this week, I was a little bit tired. I told one of my friends that, he said, yeah, you look tired on the video. But uh, like, when I went to take the video, I just slapped myself up a little bit so I could get ready to go. Like, do we need to slap ourselves up a little bit? All right, walk with me here. So Jesus, listen to this statement, listen to this statement. Jesus used his might on our behalf. There we go, come on. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But to those who are being saved, they know it is the very power of God. Think about this for a minute. The God of the universe came and did something on our behalf that was incredibly powerful that didn't look so powerful when he did it. The message of the cross is foolishness. Why would the God of the universe with all the power in the world come in the form of a child live a life and not just say, listen, I'm the king, what's up? But instead, submit himself to a secular government to be killed and, and hung on a cross and be called a criminal on our behalf. Why would he do that? Because he knew that that, that act was so powerful that it would set us free, he exercised his his power on our behalf. In fact, uh, if you look at Philippians, excuse me, chapter two, verses six through eight, it says this: Though he was God, he did not think equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human flesh, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus gave up everything to exercise his might on our behalf. And when he exercised his might, it was not in the way that we think In carnal ways, in powerful military ways, or in prideful ways, it was in humility. It was in submitting himself to to, to not having all of that power, to submitting himself to saying, listen, I am willing to die a criminal's death. Not only do you label me a criminal, but I'm willing to die a criminal's death. I'm willing to walk in humility on your behalf, and in it, the power of God was displayed. Jesus was willing to suffer on our behalf so we could walk in his power personally. This is who God has been all throughout his history in interaction with man. If you look at God redeeming his people from slavery, in Exodus chapter 15, we have the record of the people of God worshiping the Lord, proclaiming the Lord, praising the Lord because of what he had done. God freed his people from slavery in Egypt. And they were on their way out into the promised land that God had called them to. And they came up to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh changed his mind. And so he sent his entire army out to chase down the Israelites. To bring back their, sl- their slave labor. To bring them back into that position of slavery. And the people of God were delivered by God. When God opened up the Red Sea and they could cross through on dry land. And when Pharaoh's army saw it, they chased after him. And God in his goodness, God in his sovereignty, used his might on their behalf to cause that water to come back in. And completely destroy the enemy. And the people of God responded by praising the Lord. And here's what they said in verse 13. They said, with your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. God is using his might on our behalf, not because he's mighty. He's using it on our behalf for two reasons. One, because he loves us. When God exercises his might, he does it because he's motivated by love. The second reason is this, it's to bring us into that which he has caused us to possess. For you and I, it's salvation, it's relationship with God, it's reconciliation, it's what we could not lay hold of on our own. Aren't you glad that you can't earn your salvation? Aren't you glad that you have the mercy of God, that he does more for you than you could earn? Because if we tried to earn it, it would fall far, far below what we have, unearned. So why don't we just stop trying to earn our salvation and be good enough, and why don't we lean into the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and celebrate what his power on our behalf to bring us into what he's called us to. But for the people of Israel, it was to bring them into their land. He exercised his might because he loved them on their behalf to bring them into their sacred land, into the place he had called them to be. His goal was to bring his people home and to see his goodness displayed among them. So we're going to look at a scripture this morning for just a couple minutes that's going to give us a picture of God using his might on our behalf and also see how God calls us to use the might that he has given us on others' behalf. In Joshua chapter 1, the people of Israel have wandered for 40 years in the desert. They're about to come into the land of Israel, and God gives them instructions to their leader, Joshua, and says, lead the people in. But we have to understand there's something unique happening in the tribes of Israel. Among the 12 tribes, they were all supposed to cross over the Jordan River and get territory that God had given them, this place of rest, this place of abundance, this place of overflowing goodness, this place where they could live as God called them to live and display the goodness of God, not just for themselves, but God said for the nations to see. God was about to bring them into that place, but as they're going over, understand this, before they crossed the Jordan River, before they went, well, you're you're facing this way, so before they went this way, they were here. Does that make sense? Right, and over here on the east side of the Jordan, two tribes and a half tribe had decided we don't want to go over into the land. In fact, they looked around at the land that they had conquered, the land that they were sort of in possession of, and they said, Moses, we don't know if we really want to go over into the land that God's given us. We'd be more content on this side. This looks pretty good for us. Let us build some cities, some walled cities. Let us build some pens for animals. Let us succeed here. This would be good. And Moses, in a a minute, I think of frustration, is like, wait a minute, hold up. You said, last time we came to cross into the land, do you remember the problem we had when the people didn't want to go over? They said we couldn't possess it. Are you going to be a bunch of chickens this time? Are we dealing with the same problem? Because that was a problem that caused us to wander for 40 years. Please don't do that to us. And they said, no, Moses, we want you to possess the land. We want to go in with you. We will fight with you. We just want this land. And so Moses says, go ahead and stay here, but promise that when we go over, you'll go with us. That's where we pick up the account in Joshua chapter 1, verse 14. He's speaking to the, two tri- the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he says this, your wives, your children, and your livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, your Gibor, your mighty Fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest. And until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. God, as we break this open today, I pray that you would show us how you have been mighty on our behalf, and how we can enter into the battle and use what you have given us that's mighty on behalf of others. In the name of Jesus, amen. God is mighty on behalf of his people, but he calls us to be mighty on behalf of others. Three things this morning, and then we'll celebrate communion. The first is this, there's always, I'm sorry, there is a place of rest. For each person here, no matter where you have come from, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter how bad it is, maybe you have even settled on the other side of the Jordan River, God has a place of rest for you in Jesus Christ. It's a place of abundant life spiritually and abundant life in other ways as well because God desires to show in his people what it looks like for the people of God to walk with a good God. There is a place for you. There's a place in the kingdom that God has assigned to you. There's territory that the Lord has given you. But understand this. We must understand this. We are mighty not because of what we possess, but like we talked about last week, we are mighty because of who God is and who we are in him. In other words, the people of God were called mighty already in that what, they weren't in possession of what God had given them. So it's not as we lay hold of what God has already assigned to us that we become mighty. Mighty is not a place. Mighty is an identity in Christ. So you might be here this morning thinking, you're talking about the mighty. Pastor, I'm not mighty. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are mighty because Christ is mighty. And maybe we don't understand it. Maybe we don't realize it. Maybe we don't see the full vision of who we are. But we are mighty in Christ because of who he is. The first is this, we have a place of rest, and it's a place of might in Christ. The second is this, there is always a battle. Whether or not you engage in the battle doesn't make the battle real or unreal. Every time you wake up, even while you're sleeping, there is a spiritual battle for your soul and for you not to possess what God has called you to possess. The enemy does not fight with God. He fights with us and he's trying to keep us from what God has for us. He wants to keep us from the kingdom. He wants to keep us from salvation. He wants to keep us from freedom, from sin. He wants to keep us from extending the kingdom of God. And so he will do whatever he can to battle that identity of who he is and who we are and even try to get us to deny the battle or try to get us to fight in the wrong places. Listen, there is always a battle to be in and our willingness to engage in the battle matters. It matters for us, but it also matters for those around us. And it's very important to know where our battle is and where our battle is not. What do I mean by that? The Israelites, as they were walking into the land, as they were walking through the desert and being pruned by God, there were several nations that they did not fight because that wasn't the battle God had called them to. That wasn't the territory that God had called them to. And so, for instance, they they came to the land of Edom and they asked the king, can we come through your land? We don't want to fight with you. We just want to walk through. And the king said no. And they said, we'll stay on the road. We won't take anything from you. It'll be okay. And the king says no. So they said, okay, we won't fight that battle. They didn't want to force a battle where God hadn't called them to fight. So they went another way and they asked another king, hey, can we go through your territory? And the king said no. And they said, please, we'll stay on the road. And he said, no, we're not going to do it. That time they listened, but the enemy came after them. And so they fought that battle. They gained territory on the east side of the river through several of these nations coming against them. But that was not the ultimate battle that God had called them to. Here's the thing. If we engage in the wrong battle, oftentimes we will settle on the other side and not walk into the good fullness of God. Especially if we engage in the battles that God hasn't called us to fight. And he does that all the time. He want, the enemy wants to get us off our game. And if he can't do it by picking a fight with us in one way, he'll pick a fight in another way. When the people of Israel were going into the land, the the Midianites and the it's in my notes thought I could do it by, by the Midianites and the Moabites could not stand up to the Israelites. That's a lot of ites in a physical way. And so, what did they do? They went after the people of Israel's holiness. And so instead of fighting them in a physical battle, they fought them in a spiritual battle. And their women went and seduced the men of Israel. And the men of Israel had sexual relations with them and they defiled themselves. They were off their course. They got distracted into the wrong battle. They were fighting in a place that God had not called them to fight and it cost them. The enemy would love nothing less than to get us into the wrong fights. Sometimes it's just possessing our land. I'm going to fight for myself. I'm going to fight for me and my own. But the Lord is not calling us to do this. This is really interesting. If you look at this scripture, there's two different descriptions of the land. The land on the east side where their tribes are is described as the land that Moses gave them. But he says, You need to come with us into the land that God is giving us. Very clear distinction. Listen, sometimes we will settle for us just being okay. We are in a place right now in our nation where it's easy for us to say, I'm just going to fight for me and my own. Or to pick a fight in the area of even things that are worthy to fight for, like First and Second Amendment rights. But I believe the enemy would like us to focus our efforts and our battle in that arena and with weapons that are not ours so we don't focus on the real battle, which is a kingdom battle. I'm not saying it's not a real battle. I'm not saying we're not having a fight picked with us. But understand, the the enemy wants to get us off the right battle and he wants us to use weapons that are not our weapons. Because what's the real battle? A nation is changed when people come to the Lord and their hearts are transformed. Hearts are not transformed because we stand up for First and Second Amendment rights. Hearts are transformed as we live as kingdom people and we win people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're upset because we can't meet in a certain way in our church, I don't buy it because we're not invited. If we really believe that worship is important and we really believe that lives are changed and we really believe that this is an important thing for us to do to extend the gospel of Jesus Christ, then why isn't this place filled with people every week that we invite in to have our lives transformed? If we're going to fight for this, we've got to fight for this. And we fight for this not when the government comes against us. We fight for this on the everyday basis of inviting people into transformation by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? I'm not trying to pick on us. I'm just saying we've got to get involved in the battles that matter. Why? Because the third point is this. We are called, or we, are, we owe our fight to others. We're called to fight on behalf of others. That's what this scripture is. We owe the fight to others but our fight is different remember our weapons are not carnal god said joshua said to the people send all your mighty warriors over can you imagine like they get their swords, sword sharpened they got their armor on they're all ready to go they've been practicing they're ready to fight and they cross over the jordan river they get to the, the to the land and the first city they come up to they're like let's take this city and joshua says god told us to walk around it in silence God told us to walk around it for seven days in silence. God told us to like, let the warriors walk on either side of the priests and let the priests blow their trumpets and worship the Lord and lead us in that way. And we're going to do that for seven days. And then on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. And at the end of that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shout. Shout. That doesn't sound like a natural response, a natural warfare, but it is God's warfare. This is how God was going to redeem his people and so, or to get his people into the promises that he had. And so we have to understand that that we owe our fight to others, but our fight is on behalf of them using the spiritual weapons that God has given us of obedience and of worship and of faith. It was a battle for faith before it was a battle for actual land. It was always a battle for faith. Will you believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do the work? You have to cooperate with him. We got to walk with him. But we have to know that the battle is a battle for faith first. We owe our fight to those around us. Where are we contending for others? So easy in these times to just say, "I I need to make sure I'm set. But we have to understand there are people all around us who are fighting. People who who have their lives turned on edge. Their businesses are crumbling. They can't go to work. They're in the their healthcare workers who are who are struggling with hospitals getting more and more filled. There are people walking around in fear again. Where is the battle? The battle is to bring them to Christ, who is the answer in every single circumstance. So my question for you and I this morning is who are you called to fight for? Who are you called to fight for? God is saying, get your eyes off yourself, put it on my kingdom. Who around you needs Jesus Christ? Now some of you might be saying, I- I'm in the middle of the fight of my life. Great, if you're in the middle of the fight of your life, let us fight for you. But most of us are not in the middle of the fight of our lives. We will be, or we have been, but right now we're called on, on others' behalf to fight for them. With supernatural fight, in prayer, and in worship, and in obedience and in declaring the word of God and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ for other people. Who are you fighting for today? Where are you called to fight? And what weapons will you use? If you get your communion right now, we're going to celebrate together. Because this was a fight that was on our behalf. This is where Jesus came and fought a spiritual battle. This is, like, eating bread and drinking juice doesn't make a whole lot of sense spiritually. But what we're doing is we're remembering the power of a sacrifice that was different. The power of a battle that was fought with the Lord's weapons. A battle that looks foolish to the world, but in the heavenlies changed everything. We're going to remember that this morning according to the word of the Lord. It's easiest if you pull the clear tab first and take the bread out and then... And pull the other one for the juice. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after they ate, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents a new covenant established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink to remember me. We celebrate an open communion here, which simply means this. If you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are eligible to partake and to remember with us. And so, Jesus, we remember this morning your great sacrifice on our behalf. How you gave your body and your blood to change everything for us. How you were willing to fight on our behalf to see your kingdom come. And Father, we pray that we would be those people who are willing to exercise your mighty weapons on behalf of others. To not sit and watch others go down in flames, but to do what you did. To enter into the fight on others' behalf Not with our own weapons, not with our own strength, but based on your weapons and your strength. Your body which is broken, your blood that was shed, that changes everything. We remember what you did and we declare that you are coming again victorious to see your kingdom fully realized. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink together. Would you stand this morning? As soon as you're done. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for coming out and being a part of what we're doing. We are trying to fill these places, this place with as many people as we possibly can. We will add services if we need to. And so if you want to fill this place up and we just got to go all day, We'll do what we have to do to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared, that we have opportunity to worship and remember together what the weapons are that we have and focus our heart on the kingdom. We want to build this kingdom. But I want to ask you right now just answer this question Where's God called you to fight? Think about it. Who, who's He called you to fight on behalf of? Maybe if you're in the midst of the fight of your life, you're asking for somebody else to come alongside you. Ask somebody today Would you come alongside me and fight with me in prayer, in encouragement, in the Word of God? in worship and in obedience? Would you, would you walk with me? Or maybe there's somebody in your life that God's calling you to fight for. A friend, a loved one, a co-worker who, who needs the kingdom of God to come into their lives in a reality. And it's time to fight on their behalf so that they can possess what God has given to them, what God has already declared that they can have. I want to bless you as you go, as you answer that. God, would, would you just bless your people this morning? Give them your grace. Show them your mercy. Help them to understand the battle to fight in and which to not fight in. Give them an awareness of your mighty weapons. And Father, I pray that the kingdom would advance powerfully because of what you you have done and what you are doing through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple of announcements as we go. Giving is in the back. You can also do it online digitally. We are canceling our Thanksgiving service because of gathering numbers. But here's what I do say. The Thanksgiving holiday is not for turkey. It's for thankfulness to the Lord our God. That's why we have it. So be thankful, get together with people, pray, worship the Lord, and thank him for what he's done. I bless you in the name of Jesus to go in his goodness. Let's fill these services up. Let's do everything that God has called us to do, not only in this place, but outside of this place to see his kingdom advance. I love you, God bless you, God bless you.